You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, 2 Samuel 23. Uh, we're going to read verse number 8 down to verse 17. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 23, verse 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino, the Enzite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. How'd you like to be named Dodo? You know, hey, Dodo, get in here, right? You know, hey, dum-dum, come here. It's, it kind of reminds me of that, all right? All right. So anyway, uh, son of Dodo, the Hohite, uh, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defi- defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he rose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary And his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herahite, and the Philistines were gathered together in a troop, where was a ground, a place, a piece of ground full of lentils or beans. He wasn't full of beans. He was a warrior. Amen. All right. Caitlin gave me that joke, but but anyway. All right. And the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defeated it or defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. And three of the 30 chief went down and came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Abdullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in the hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it. And brought it to David, nevertheless he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. And we're going to stop reading there. And I've titled the message, A Love for a king. Kind of fits with Valentine's Day, right? A love for a king. Whether you believe in Valentine's or not, you know, a love for a king. We're going to look at their love for their king. Father, thank you for this time that we have together this afternoon. I pray that you'd bless the time in the word. Help us to convey the message in the way that uh, would challenge us. And Lord, to help us to fall in love. With you, We pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, as, as we read there in verse number 13, it says, And three of the thirty went down and came to David in the harvest, time under the cave of Abdullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. Now, th- this would have been one of the places that David would have fled to when he was being chased by Saul. It, it's such a fascinating thing to me. I'm, I'm Actually, I'm teaching through Samuel's writings this semester, and I've been very excited about getting to do that, the Samuel's writings and, and the life of David. And it's just fascinating to me to study the life of David and know that as a maybe 16, 17-year-old young man, he was anointed to be king, to be king of Israel, And yet he spent the next 13 years or so of his life hiding in caves, running from Saul. Because Saul was so jealous of David's um, ability and and, and, and the people's love for him that he spent the next 13 years of his life running from Saul. So here we have David and he's been king now for a few years and once again he's hiding in the cave of Abdullam. Uh, He'd already been established as the king. Uh, while, While there the Philistines, while he was in this cave, the Philistines come in and they take the city of Bethlehem, David's hometown. And as he looked toward his hometown of Bethlehem, I can imagine in his mind, he's thinking as a, remember the well that was by the gate of the city, where as a young shepherd boy, he oftentimes would refresh himself when he brought his sheep back to Bethlehem. Those were great memories. I mean, you know, you have great memories of when you were a kid, and I I don't have a lot of memories about when my childhood, my childhood wasn't as good as some of you might have had. But, you know, if you have great memories and David was, those were great memories. He, he, he's probably thinking back into those days when he finds himself and uh, there uh, as a young shepherd boy and, and enjoying the, the, the time out into the, the fields and watching the sheep and and all of those things, but once again, he finds himself in the hold. You can sense the discouragement in his voice. He says in verse 15, and David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. But we need to wait and, and remember this. He is surrounded by a band of faithful men who were there and his every wish would have been their command. Don't you think? I mean, we, we read about some of the men, Adino, the Esnite who slew 800 with a spear, Eleazar who fought so long that his hand cramped around the, the hilt of his sword and he couldn't even let his hand loose. It might even been covered with blood and the blood caked on his hand and it, his hand was welded to the sword, so to speak. We read about Shammah who killed a bunch of Philistines in a bean field and Benaniah who 
slew a couple of lion-like men of Moab and a lion in the midst of a, a pit in the wintertime and then killed an Ethiopian with his own sword. But yet David now is in a cave wanting a drink from the well that he often refreshed himself with. So with a few words that he gives in verse number 15, not directed to anyone, I really believe this. He's not directing his words to anyone. He just simply is thinking about those childhood days. Don't you think that? Thinking about his time there at the well of Bethlehem when he would come into the city and he'd be out in the fields all day long and he's thirsty and he just couldn't wait to get to the well and take a deep drink from that well at Bethlehem. It's kind of like in the summertime when you're... Out and about, my wife and I, when we moved to Oklahoma City, we were unloading a, a, a storage place where we had our, our furniture. And, and so it was 100, that was the hottest summer that they had in the history of Oklahoma City in, in summer of 1998. It was like 100, and, 100 years, 100 years, 100 degrees for 30 days in a row. I mean, it was, it was so hot. How hot was it? The rattlesnakes were carrying canteens. That's how hot it was. And that's tough for a rattlesnake. They don't have hips to hang them on, amen? And so we stopped by this Taco Bueno and decided, because they advertised frozen lemonade, you know, and I think, man, that's going to taste so good. We went in there and we sat down, we're sweating, we're hot, and we're drinking this stuff, and all of a sudden, both of us, at almost the exact same time, head freeze, you know, and it hurt, and we're going, oh, terrible. You know, just great memories, So here's David thinking about that well at Bethlehem and how cool and refreshing that water is. And so he's just simply thinking out loud. Would that be a good way to put it? He says, oh, that one would give me a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Then in verses 16 and 17, I think these are some of the most precious, most touching verses in the Bible. Because suddenly these three men that were standing there and they are listening to their king express himself to no one in particular out loud. And I can see them standing there and they look at each other and one of them goes, hey, what do you think? Can you see that? What do you think? And so his three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines. They go down there, they bring him whatever vessel it was, the skin canteen type thing, whatever it was, they go down there and they break through the host and bring him some water from that well. Now, certainly the question might come to our mind is, why did they do that? Why did they put their lives in jeopardy to go down to a well and bring David some water from that well? What was so special about that particular water? Can I, get, can I give you four reasons why I think these three men did what they did? Number one, they had an attachment to their king. And I think it was an attachment that was willing to show us several things. An attachment to their king. Number one, they had a love for his person. 
He's David. He's the king. You've got to know a little bit of the history of David and understand that many of these mighty men that he had with him had been with him through thick and thin. They, they had been a part of that 600 men that followed David. Do you remember how the Bible describes them? Distressed and in debt and discouraged. The, these, these men that were with David had been with David through the days of hiding and running from Saul and, and, and had seen all of these things in the life of David. Now, I'm convinced of this. Had David looked at those three mighty men, okay, so I'm going to pick on Chad. Where's Heath at? Heath in here? He's not? Okay. Heath, wherever you are. Okay, okay. Who else? Who else can I pick on? Brother Steen, the old guy. Looked, Brother Chad, Brother Heath, and the old guy, and said, hey, men, can you go down the well and bring me some water? Brother Steenwood said, you two guys go. I'll stay here and watch the king. <laughs> had, had, don't you think, had he singled those three men out and said, hey, fellas, can you do me a favor? Go down there and get me some water at the well at Bethlehem. They'd have jumped on it just like that. Don't you think? Absolutely, they would have done that. So they break through the host of the Philistines, number one, because I think they had a love for his person. Why, why did they do that? Well, they loved their king. They were, listen, they were willing, listen, they were willing to lay down their life for their king. You know, love is the basis for any relationship, isn't it? Isn't it? He talked about it today. Relationship. We need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You remember what Jesus told the scribe in Matthew chapter 22? When he asked him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus looked at him and said, I'll give you the greatest commandment in the law. Is that you love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all, your, all of your mind. What does that mean? You are to love God more than anything else in your life. Love is the, is the key foundation of any relationship. We should love God with every part. What does it mean with love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind? That means with every ounce of every part of our mind, our will, and our emotion that we are to love God with every part of ourselves. So they had a love for their king. Number two, they had sympathy for his need. Their king desired a drink of water, a cup of cool water from the well that was by the, uh, by the gate of Bethlehem. And for many, many times, they were conscious of that need. And listen, they, were, they understood what the king's need was. Did you know that Jesus had as a need today? You know what his need is? You say, well, he's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. What does he need from us? He needs laborers. He needs people to do the work. Did you know this, that God doesn't have a backup plan to get the gospel out? He doesn't have a, 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 a legion of angels standing in line, ready to go if you and I fail to do our responsibility. No, he's counting on you and I to do the work. He's given us 
the task of doing the work of reaching people for Jesus Christ. So they had a sympathy for his need and Jesus needs laborers. Are we sympathetic to that need? Jesus needs his people to take a stand. Are we sympathetic to that need? The day is going to come in America, I'm telling you, and I'm not a prophet of doom here today, and I'm just saying this. The day is going to come when God's people are going to have to take a stand for things that we would have years ago never even thought that we'd have to stand for. We're in that, that, that our, in our, our condition, in our, in our nation. And God needs people that are sympathetic to his need. Number three, they were loyal to, their, to his position. He was their king. Did you know that servants need to be loyal to those they serve? Right? You and I, God God requires for us to be loyal to him. And God needs for people to be loyal to him. He was their king. It was their duty to do whatever he requested or even commanded. What he did not and what he did not command or request, they were, their responsibility was to do it anyway. To be watching their king, to know what his needs were. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, that is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You, you don't have to have talent. Man, you all sing so good. Your congregational singing was good in the trio this morning. Ladies, what a blessing that was. Bless my heart. I mean, you don't have to have talent. You don't have to have abilities. Except for this, availability is the, ba- the greatest ability that a Christian can have. Number four, they had a desire to please him, no matter the cost. Can you picture with what went on that day? David's standing there looking off toward Bethlehem, thinking of a particular day maybe when he'd been out on the hills all day long with the sheep and he gets back to Bethlehem and the first place that he stops is the well by the gate of the city. He washes off the dust from his face and hands and then he draws out whatever it might have been, a gourd or an emptied out gourd or a skin of an animal, whatever it might be and he drinks long and deep from that precious water from that well perhaps he not only desired to drink again from that well but might even wish he was 15 years old again I, I, I just realized that in June I will have been out of high school for 50 years in June of this year 50 years I don't want to go back to those days when I was 15 years old I was dumber than a bucket of hair in those days. My mother used to make fun of me and tell me, you know, just tear myself. I thought, listen, I thought for the first 15 years of my life, my, 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 my first name was stupid. Because my dad would say, hey, stupid, get in here, you know. <laughs> just kidding. That's probably, I shouldn't use that word. But I don't want to go back. But maybe David is just thinking of those days when he's 15 years old again, when his life was <laughs> simpler. And, and the weight on his shoulders would have been just a few smelly sheep that his father put him in charge of. And so with that vision in mind, he's thinking, 
Man, I wish I could go back to those days when I don't have the weight of a whole nation on my shoulders. Can you think of that? So with this vision in his mind, he expresses his desire out loud to no one in particular. That's all it took for these men to spring into action. His every wish was their command. I can almost, in my mind, I can almost think these men were so excited about the possibility of going down to Bethlehem and fighting through the host of the Philistines to go down there and bring him some water. My question to us is this, are we close enough to God to hear his every command? Is that a legitimate question for you and I? Are, are, Brother Chad did such a good job this morning on this. No, are, are you close enough to God that when you open up the Bible that God can speak to you from his word? It, it, isn't that the way that God speaks to us? We open up this book, this book that God has preserved for you and I. And we open up this book and we can read some things from the Bible. Have you ever done this before? You open up the Bible and you read something and you go, Whoa, that wasn't in there the last time I read it. Well, it was, but maybe you didn't pay attention to it the last time you read it. This, this is how God speaks to us. Are you close enough to hear... Even your king said, man, I, I, I wish I had some people that take, take up the gauntlet and go to Bible college. Young people, surrender your life to go to Bible college. Whether it be Heartland or any place else, just be willing to surrender your life to God to do whatever he wants you to do. Whatever it is. Are you, are you close enough to God to hear him wish his every command in your life? So they had a love for their king. Number two, they had this devotion that was willing to risk everything. It, don't you think? I mean, they break through the host of the Philistines. The enemy are there and they break through the host of the Philistines and they had a devotion that was willing to risk everything. Well, what kind of, what kind of devotion does that take? What Notice the characteristics of, of someone who's willing to risk it all. Number one, it takes incredible courage, doesn't it? It takes incredible courage. We need that every day in life. As a Christian in this day and age in America, and you young people, God bless you, you need incredible courage in your schools. In, in, in your jobs, every day, adults, you need incredible courage to take a stand for the things of God in this day and age. Young people, if you decide you're going to stay pure till you get married, you're, you're weird. You're different than everybody else in the world. That's just not the way that people do things. Now, the idea of love, and I think Brother Chad even mentioned it this morning, you know, the world's idea of love is totally different than what our idea of love ought to be. And young people, if you're determined that I'm going to stay pure until I get married, you're bizarre, you're weird, you're, there's something wrong with you. In our day and age, that's just the way that we, that's the kind of lifestyle that is promoted. So it takes, we need courage, everyday life. I read about a man by the name of Desmond Thomas Doss. Anybody ever heard of Desmond Doss? Desmond Doss 
was a U.S. Army corporal who served as a combat medic. Now, what made him so unique was that he entered the Army as a conscientious objector. He determined that he was going to, would, would not carry a weapon of any kind. He was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was beaten by his fellow soldiers for that. On the island of Okinawa, at an escarpment named Madea, later named by the U.S. forces that fought there, Hacksaw Ridge. Japanese repelled assault after assault. Desmond Doss single-handedly rescued 75 wounded men from the top of that escarpment. His mantra during that time, when he rescued those 75 men, was this. Lord, just let me save one more. One more. For his bravery, he received a bronze star, a purple heart, and the highest honor his country could give a soldier, the Medal of Honor. He was the only conscientious objector ever to receive a Medal of Honor. He displayed incredible courage. And most people that go through things like that, that are called heroes, you know how they see themselves? They, they don't see themselves as heroes. They just see themselves as people doing their job. You and I need some incredible courage to take a stand for the things of God. Another characteristic of someone who has a devotion that's willing to risk all is self-denial and self-sacrifice. Would you say that these three men disregarded their own comfort and placed their lives in peril? They were willing to lay down their lives for the sake of their king. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Their devotion, listen, their devotion was not so much for the person, but for the position. Because David was the anointed of the Lord, their sacrifice was in reality... Oh, you got to get this. As they submit themselves to their earthly king, who David was their earthly king, in reality they are sacrificing themselves for the heavenly king. Because as you and I submit ourselves to authority in our lives, you know who we're submitting ourselves to? To God himself. Do you understand that? When you and I buck authority, when you and I shake our, our shoulders away from authority. Listen, we are in reality bucking God himself. In our case, our devotion is to the person and the position of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, also when you think about another characteristic that is willing to risk all, their true devotion will prompt us to risk all. Do you know what? For you and I to be willing to sacrifice, you know what? We might have to give up some friends. Young people, you, you, you maybe have some friends in your life that are not good influences for you that you need to probably sever some ties with. 
And I, and I know how hard that is. I know how important friends are to young people. And, you know, I, I work in a college. I, I, I know how friend groups get started and such as that. And, and, and I made friends. And those of you that have been to Bible college, you've made friends that will be your friends for the rest of your life. I know how important that, that is. But I also know that there are young people that come to Heartland Baptist Bible College that aren't the good friends for some of our students. You might have to give up some friends in your life. You, you, listen, you may have to give up family in your life. You remember this? Jesus said, except a man hate his mother and father and brethren and sisters. And I'm thinking, okay, now I could do that, Lord, because my oldest sister and I, we fought like cats and dogs. We had knocked down, drag out. She'd knock me down. I dragged myself out, you know. And I couldn't stand my sister. So if I'd have read that when Jesus said, you got to hate your sister to be my disciple, I'm thinking, Lord, I'm right there. I got it covered. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I, I, I love my sister. She's in heaven now. And uh, I love her. I loved her. But you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying that your love for God should be so strong that your love for others looks like hatred. Wow. What does that mean? That we ought to love God with everything more than anything. And it may be that God's going to really be the person to have that devotion that you need to be, that you should be willing to risk your family, your friends, your job, your career, activities that are contrary to God. There was no command to go from these, for these men, but yet they just knew. Listen, they knew that they had a call to go. We don't need, listen, we've got a command to go, do we not? You don't need a call when you have a command. And then number three, an honor for the sacrifice that is made. Now look at verse 16 and 17. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. Here they are. <laughs> and, I, and, and we're not told this, but I'm thinking that probably if they break through the host of the Philistines, that probably meant they had to fight a little bit. Don't you imagine? You don't break through the host of the Philistines and not shed a little bit of blood or even have some of your own blood shed. And so they show up and they've got this container of water and they're bloodied and they're tired and they're dusty and they're, they're, they're all pumped up and they give it to David like this. I'm not going to pour it out, so don't worry. <laughs> and he takes it and he pours it on the ground. Now my human side would say, David, what are you doing? Look at this. I lost a hand. <laughs> right? You know, they're bloody and they're tired and they're dusty and they just fought their way through the host of the Philistines. How would you react as to such a thing as these men did for their king? On the other hand, what would you think if David did what to you what he did to these men. So you say, well, why do you think he poured out the water? Well, I'll give, can I give you some reasons? Number one, I, 
I think he poured it out not not in disdain for their efforts, but it was a tribute to their courage. It was a tribute to their courage. Look at, and in fact, look at verse 17. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? You know what David is saying? David is saying to these men that this was, this water was a symbol of the blood that these men were willing to shed for him. To him, their sacrifice invoked him to a place of gratitude. In the mind of David, there was no greater honor that he could bestow onto these men than to pour the water out before unto the Lord. In David's mind, the highest use to which this water could be put was to the worship of God. So he pours the water out. Now, David's offering must have depended or deepened the attachment of his men. Because they hear, oh, listen. And they brought it unto the Lord. Nevertheless, he would not drink it. Verse 16. But poured it unto the Lord. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. What could be accomplished? What could could be accomplished in the life of the nation of Israel than to have these men that were so dedicated and selfless for their king? Though David's offering was a great tribute to these men's courage, I think you can see there's another offering that was made for you and I at a place called Calvary almost 2,000 years ago. And it doesn't even compare to the sacrifice. The offering of these men doesn't compare to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us at that place called Calvary. We, we We can never, never, ever repay what Jesus did for us. That fateful day at Calvary. Listen to these verses. Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which should live should not henceforth live unto themselves But unto him which died for them and what? Rose again. Philippians 2.17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Do you realize that Jesus poured out his life for us that we might know him? That we might serve him? So my question for you and I today is this. How much are we willing to do for the king who's done all for us? Are you willing to do everything and anything that he would ask you to do for him? Are, are, are you willing to make some sacrifice? I, I, I know, you know, 
as, as Christians in the 21st century, I read somewhere that the only sacrifice that Christians make in the 21st century is giving up stuff because we're so affluent. Do you understand what I mean by that? You say, well, you haven't seen my checking account. I, I understand that, but I mean, we have a lot of stuff. But it may be that God's going to ask you to give up some stuff to serve him. To give up some comforts. To give up a few things. To maybe even have some opposition from your family when you make a decision to serve the Lord. We have a young lady that was a graduate of our college. And she was Chinese. She was Asian, China, from China, and she got saved, lived in Ireland, <laughs> and I, I, I loved her because she, she, was, she was Chinese, but she had an Irish accent. It was awesome. Walk up to you and say, talk with the word into you, brother Jet. <laughs> it was awesome. And her husband and she now, they're going to go to Japan to be missionaries, but when she was a, a girl, she got saved in a church there in Ireland. And her mother would lock her in a room because she wouldn't want her to go to church. And she'd open the window and climb out and go to church. She'd get home and her mother would beat her and lock her in a room every time. And she'd do the same thing every time. Well, the, the end of the story is her mother and her grandmother both got saved as a result of this young lady's testimony. You and I have no idea what it's like to go through things like that. We think we're suffering for Jesus. We've got to go to church when it's 40 below outside with a wind chill. And I'm not saying it's not cold out there. Because this Oklahoma boy is ready to get, well, they got bad weather down there too. So it's the end of the world. By the way, they don't use global warming anymore. It's climate change. All right, so get off the politics. Jesus poured out his life for us. How much are you willing to give for him? Do you love the king? You ought to love the king. These men loved David. They had a love for their king that was willing to risk all. Are you willing to risk everything for your king? Let's bow our heads together. And as we bow together, let me ask you a couple of questions. Number one, I, I don't know who's here this afternoon, but do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you, were, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Do you know him? I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand, but that's an important question because... There is nothing more important than to know where you will spend eternity. So I don't really believe all of that. Well, are you going to gamble? What if you're wrong? And heaven is a reality and hell is a reality. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Are you going to gamble eternity on that thought? But maybe you're here this evening So I know I'm saved, but... I, I know that I, I don't love the Lord like I should. There are some things in my life that are hindering me from being all in when it comes to service to God. Maybe you're here tonight. You need to come kneel here at this altar and say, Lord, I'm sorry. 
I haven't been as dedicated as I need to be. And I, I'm so thankful that you're here this afternoon and thank you for that. But there are some, a lot of areas in our life that we hold on to that we're not really willing to give to God. So maybe there are some areas of your life that you need to come and just surrender them to the Lord today. And now, Father, I pray that you'd bless the invitation. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I pray you'd help us to love you just like David's mighty men loved him. They were willing to risk everything in their life to please their king. Should we, as Christians, not be willing to risk everything to please the King of kings and Lord of lords. So bless now the invitation we pray in Jesus name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.